Hello, my friends. This is Michael Dalton with Prophetic Edge. Now, I'm excited because we're going to do something that we're going to be doing now on a regular basis. We're going to drop for you a podcast that came from a time of ministry. And this is called Samuel is Rising. is amazing that we have to understand is as we go deeper with God, he does this amazing thing. He begins to reveal to us the level of what we can live in. Samuel 16 verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul. Now we can stop right there. Isn't this unusual? The God of the Bible, the lover of Israel, the one who sent the oil upon the servants, the voice that dug Saul out of his father's house, the power that rested upon his head, the very glory that dressed him and sent him out to battle so that he conquered his enemies. The glory that sat behind his voice that made men come to serve him. The same anointing that sat upon him lifted and God comes back to the prophet and says, Samuel, I'm sick of your tears. His season is over. I'm not going to do this anymore. I need you to understand there's a nation behind that man you're weeping for. You see, what happens to some of us is we get so focused on the one person that we miss behind that person's obedience or disobedience. There's a nation. There's some folks who need deliverance who can't get free because we got folk who just ain't changing. There's people who need to be lifted out of burdens and bondages and addictions, but we can't get to them because we won't let the Holy Ghost have his way. And the Lord says, how long will you weep for someone I'm done with? Ooh. How do you tell God to rehire somebody he fires? Now, I just want to explain something just before I go further. God is the only person in creation who will fire you and let you show up for work every day. God will fire you and let you show up to the office. God will let you drink coffee at the office, eat donuts at the office. He'll let you punch your card and he'll let you go home believing you still going to get paid. Why? Because never forget, even though he fired you, he still owns your breath. He owns your body. The muscles you using came from him. Everything inside of you belongs to him. If he just breathed in, you'd cease breathing out. So don't start tripping. He fired you, but until he gets somebody to replace you, he lets you show up. Saul was fired and didn't know it. And the Lord says, Samuel, oh, Samuel, don't you cry no more. 
Now, remember, it's the Lord that spoke to Samuel the first time. And for many of you who are students of the word, when Samuel first anointed Saul, he said these words, it would be sin for me not to pray for you. Do you remember that? That's in the book. Samuel says to Saul, if I ever miss a day of interceding for you, God will call it sin to me. I am committed to praying for you until my last breath. And God says, because I know your commitment to prayer, I have to shut down the intercession. You are operating on prayers instead of principles. You're standing in a place where God fired you. And if not for the mercy and prayers of others, God would have put you outside of the camp. But God said, I'm going to let these prayers cover your disobedience till I get somebody in place. Ooh, I need to say to folk who are listening to me right now, God's mercy is not the same as his approval. And I'm not trying to go back to some old-fashioned gospel. I'm not trying to tell you you got to be perfect. But hear me when I say this. If you think I'm trying to put fear in you, you got it right. We have lost the fear of God. It is disrespectful and dishonorable the way we treat the Holy Ghost. Folks are living all kind of way, getting drunk, sleeping with whoever they want to sleep with, talking to each other like they're dogs on the street. And we think just because I told Jesus 20 years ago, save me from my sins, that all my actions are acceptable. Let me tell you something. You can still split hell wide open. I mean to say it like I'm saying. Ooh, has Michael gone back to some old-fashioned gospel? I'm talking about the book, baby. And in the book, you can't treat folk any kind of way. In the book, you don't get to do whatever you want. Cheat on your wife with five other women and think God's just going to welcome you into heaven. You don't get to steal God's money and think you can just do, oh, let me help you. You have been taught wrong and preached too wrong. If you think you can do whatever you want, somebody has to start acting like fathers again. I'm not your friend. Friends going to let you do whatever you want. I'm a teacher of the word. And a teacher has to eventually say, this is not what God said acceptable. Somewhere we got to go back to right thinking. You can't act like a sinner and then expect the favor of a saint. Now, if you got struggles, then we will walk with you. If you're trying to change, we'll help you. But if you mean to live like you lived before you met him, let me be clear. You ain't standing beside me nowhere because I mean this from my heart. I mean to live for him. And if God got to drop your ship in the ocean, Jonah, let me be clear. I ain't buying no tickets on your cruise. If that's what you mean for God to do, you go ahead and drop ship, baby. I'll be on the shore eating popcorn going, well, I guess when the sub come up, we'll find out. <laughs> now, now, 
some are listening right now and they're going, man, he's coming strong. Let me tell you why. Because I have this fear in my soul that folks are going to miss their destiny because we've taught you to dishonor God by never saying that's not acceptable. We've taught you to disrespect God on purpose. Whenever nobody puts up balanced teaching, and when we never hear anybody say that's not acceptable, you don't know what's right until somebody also says what's wrong. Do you know there are people in this world who actually think they're good cooks? (laughs) Who shouldn't even be feeding their pet the stuff they make. No, no, I mean that. I knew, a, I knew a woman in Orange County who literally, she killed her dog by accident because she never researched what dogs can't eat. You can't give a dog chocolate. You can't give a dog a lot of pepper. She had made a meal for her husband where he had eaten it and enjoyed it. And then she took the extra steak that had been covered in black pepper and she took the dessert, a double chocolate And the dog was, and she handed the dog the extra. And the next morning, the dog was in the backyard dead. Dead. Dead from what you thought was good. Because you never studied the limits of what you say you loved. You can't tell God you love prayer. But you've never studied what he likes in prayer. Here's the reason why I love Pastor Debbie, and I love Sandra, and I love Candace. It's because when I hear them praying, I know they have been in prayer long enough that they know what daddy loves. Because I'll hear them praying, and I'm going, oh, 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 the Holy Ghost is in there. You see, when people pray who love prayer, who've also studied what God loves in prayer, They know not to bring God worrying in prayer. You never hear them complaining in prayer. They don't let people with strife come in when they're praying. See, that's the stuff that can kill prayer. You got to study what don't work so that you know what does. You can't tell me you love the word if you'll let any kind of preaching in your ears. You don't love the word if you'll listen to somebody beat up on people in preaching. You don't love the word when you'll let somebody spend an hour talking about God don't use women when the Bible in the New Testament clearly proves God uses women. You don't love the word when somebody says to you, oh, you are one of those prosperity preachers. Well, God wants us not to have that kind of money. You don't love the word because in the New Testament, it was the rich that brought them out of poverty because they were struggling until the wealthy, the judges and the leaders and the bankers came together with them and they had all things common. God didn't chase away the wealthy. It was the wealthy he saved that brought them out of poverty. You got to read your Bible. You can't say you love praise if you don't ever give him praise that put
pushes the devil out. You got to praise God in sorrow. You got to praise God in weakness. You got to praise God when you don't feel good. And if you study praise, praise has got to be hot on your lips. It's got to come up out of you like a volcano. Oh, it's got to be hot praise. It's got to come out the oven like a potato. It's got to hit you and you go, oh, I can't handle that alone. Oh, yeah. God don't like cold praise. He don't like lukewarm praise. Uh-uh, God needs hot praise. If it ain't on the altar, it can't make it into the throne. Yeah, if you don't send it up with fire, he don't catch it. We know what's in you by what comes out of you. You got to stay in that field eating until everything out of you smells like Jesus, looks like Jesus. <laughs> it's got to have oil on it. He says, Samuel, don't talk to me about Saul no more. You told him you'd pray for him every day. Don't even mention his name to me because your prayer is now giving permission to his rebellion. See, we hadn't even made it out the first line of the first verse. But I'm going to walk this for a minute. Some of us need to understand that the reason the Lord has shut down some relationships in your life is because as long as you were around them praying for them and covering them, it gave permission to their rebellion. Because God would have shook them long time ago and they thought in their mind because God hadn't shook them yet, it gave them permission to stay stuck. But what they never realized, it wasn't them that God was listening to. It was Samuel's prayers. God hadn't dealt with Saul yet because of Samuel's prayers. Samuel, I need you to remove your prayer from on him because I've got to deal with him so that the people don't think rebellion is acceptable. I need you to stop covering him so the people don't think inconsistency is acceptable. I need you to stop praying for him so that I can deal with him so the people don't think this negative attitude should be how they approach me. I need you to remove yourself from being with him because when I come to deal with him, if you standing beside him, I got to deal with you too. Because I got a nation at stake, not just a man, a nation at stake. Now, some of us have stayed stuck so long that we have made our own walk with God about us. He saved you for a purpose. He saved us from something, but he also saved us for something. Now, when we realize we're saved for something, then that means your life is not your own. You now must become meat for another. Sheep, we cover and we die. Now that you recognize your life has a purpose, that means he gets to choose where he serves you. You slice the lamb for all to eat. So now that he started slicing you up for others to feast off of what you have gained in your walk with him, now we are offended. Well, I don't want to be meat for them to eat. I want to be celebrated. No, 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 no. You're here to be served up. But they didn't call my name this week. You're here 
to be served up. But I don't like the way they're reacting to me. You're here to be served up. But I need somebody to get me a shirt with my name on it so everybody knows I'm one of the people when I come into the room. Uh, 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 uh. You're here to be served up. Now, the value of the meal is in how many people it feeds. I'm so thrilled. You know that 110 years ago, you did something great for God in some place that nobody ever saw. That's fantabulous. However, nobody has been able to feast off you since then. I'm so glad that one time, somewhere in the world, you ministered to somebody in a parking lot and they got saved. That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> when is the last time God was able to serve you to somebody? When is the last time you got over yourself long enough to remember this ain't about you? It ain't about me. It ain't about how many people we can move to celebrate us. It's how many people we can bring into an encounter with the living God. So since it's not about us, that means you shouldn't really be upset that nobody celebrated you. Because dead people don't hear the party. Dead men don't belly up to the bar. Dead women don't reach for microphones. Dead preachers don't need their name in papers. Dead worshipers don't need to be celebrated. Dead intercessors. I'm not talking about dead in the natural, dead to yourself. Dead to your pride. Dead intercessors don't need everybody to know they're the ones who prayed. When was the last time you just died? To all of that praise you seem to need. And you just let God serve you to somebody. Oh, Paul said, my life's hope. Timothy, understand that I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering. I want to be poured out like a drink offering. Do you know what that is? A drink offering, according to Scripture, was one of the things that we don't practice, but it was a cup of wine that the priests would take. And they would begin to pour out the wine, and when they would pour out the wine, they would take the goblet and they would shake it forcibly. And they would do it that way because they had to shake it so that the last drop of wine would fly out of the cup. Only then could they put the cup empty on the altar. Paul was declaring, I'm ready for God to shake out of me everything he put in me. He was declaring, I want to die empty. I want to die empty. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and I said to him, I decided in my life, I want to die with no prayer left in me. I want to die helping the last person he needs me to help. I want to die with all my best sermons preached, my best books written. I want to die with every song I meant to sing to him dancing out of my lips. And I'm not talking about publicly, between me and him. I want to die. 
with every praise I meant to give him going into the atmosphere. Do you know what it means to have a spirit and a, and a soul that's not in agreement? When the Bible says to worship him in spirit and in truth, this is what it means. In spirit means out of the depths of who you are. It's out of the Holy Ghost, out of the depths. For the Bible says, deep calls unto deeps at the noise of thy water spouts. So out of the depths of who you are and out of the depths of him. Because you must remember, you have a born-again spirit, which means what? Your spirit came from him. So deep cries unto deep because nothing that's in you came from you. In your spirit, man, nothing in your spirit came from you. Deep cries to deep. So when you really yield to the Holy Ghost, you don't have to work up a praise. You don't have to find worship. You don't have to find faith. If you yield to the Holy Ghost, deep cries unto deep. At the noise of the water spouts, what does that mean? If you stay by the river, if you stay by the well, at the noise of the water spouts, everything in me comes alive again. I can find my praise. I can find my worship. I can find the deep if I stay by the water spouts. So the proof to me that you left the water is nothing comes out of you in deep moments. Ooh, in a deep place in God. Crickets. In a deep place in God. Barely get your hands in there. In a deep place in God. Barely get your voice above a whisper. That doesn't mean that God isn't with you. That means you left the water spouts. You can't blame anybody else for you leaving the water spout. Nobody can take the river from you. Nobody can make the Holy Ghost leave you. The only person that can take you back to the water is you. If you've left the water, you don't get to blame the devil. You don't get to blame the church. You don't get to blame the people. The only way you left the water, you decided to leave. Get back to the water, saints. Get back. The Lord said to me, the season is now upon you. When I am going to cause you to see around the nation, Many who will begin to get colder and colder. I said, Lord, he said, for many have decided I am not worth the cost. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, they have decided I'm not worth the cost. Debbie, it shook me. Sandra, it caught my attention because I said, Lord, this can't be true. The Lord says, you need to understand that because they have now decided that they will always be right with me, that it has affected their pursuit of me. You see, our old doctrine that was out of balance convinced us that we had to stay close to God because sin was going to creep in. Now, that's the wrong thinking. 
See, I'm not afraid sin's going to creep back in. It's not a fear of sin that keeps me close to God. It's a love of God that keeps me close to God. But most people, because they did not build an internal fire, the only thing that pushed them to stay in his presence was the fear of something. But when you get rid of fear, you must replace it with passion. If you don't increase passion when you realize you're not led by fear, you will come to the place of being content with mediocrity. So now you don't chase God because of sin. Now I chase him out of passion. I just want to see how close I can get. I just want to see what else he'll say. I just want to see if he's blessed me like this, what would happen if I just go deeper? See, that's passion. What I'm noticing in the church in America is there is this slow poison creeping among us like a necrosis, like a slow infection, like someone stepped on a nail and didn't know it and now little by little there is poison creeping through your veins getting to your heart. Where little by little, you're praying one minute less each day and don't even realize it. And now you just barely pray while you're driving somewhere. You used to sit before God with tears running down your face. And now if you could just stop for five minutes to watch a clip on YouTube, you think you've done something great for God. You used to wake up every morning and call upon his name until you felt fire drip down your heart and you would stand there and say, God, I thank you for another day. And now if you even think about him before you go to bed, oh, oh, yeah, Lord, this was a good day. I appreciate it. Now he's the last thought you might have instead of the first thought you were glad to have. This slow poison. We used to catch ourselves before we said anything critical about anybody because we wanted to always hold them high in prayer. And now, because we've let this political spirit get among us and we've let this stupidity creep into our pulpits, now we assassinate each other with language like it's art. We eviscerate each other publicly to see who won the argument. And now we call ourselves doing it in the name of Jesus. And we look for fights on Facebook. And we seek out arguments on Instagram. And we celebrate who wins on Twitter. You are foolish. That is not Jesus. And I don't care who you are and I don't care how much you back it up with arguments. It is not the tongue of the master in your mouth. It is the accuser of the brethren hiding in your lips. Jesus ain't in it. Never was, never will be. And we have let poison in our veins. We've been bit by a serpent and didn't know it. And like Paul at the island, instead of shaking him off in the fire, we just let him wrap around ourselves and we call it a bracelet. We just wear the serpent now. Look at what I picked up, y'all. This is how we talk now. They need to hear me talk like this so they can remember. Serpent tongue. Poison language. Saul's spirit. Oh, Saul. 
You hid in our camp for a while, and we didn't say nothing because we were weeping for you. Oh, Saul. We were glad to see the crown on your head because you were doing things for God, but oh, Saul, I need you to hear me tonight. Saul's spirit, your season is over. In the house of God, in the courts of God, Saul's spirit, the prophets are coming for you. God has anointed and called folk all across this nation to wake up out of slumber, and we are coming for you. Hear me, because the Saul spirit has led a nation of believers to a place where they have exchanged the anointing for entertainment and they have swallowed lies for truth. But in the name of God most high, there is a sword in our hand again and we are looking for Agag and we are coming for you. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, Saul, your season is over. The Lord has anointed people and the season has come. And in the name of the Lord, we are calling on the God of fire to come to his house again. In the name of Jesus, we want real revival. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke every familiar spirit, every unclean spirit, every lying spirit. In Jesus' name, we bind it up and we command you, loose and go. We will not yield. We will not agree. We will not go backwards. You're a lie from the pit of hell. The spirit of the Lord is upon his people. And your season has come. Oh, I feel this thing. The Lord said to me, tell my people, Samuel are rising. The Samuels are rising. And there is an edge that God is putting back in his people. There is a strength he's putting back in our bellies. There is a fire he's putting back in our tongues. We're not backing up, we're not apologizing. You wanna play with devils, you're not gonna do it around us. You wanna go and talk about every familiar spirit like it's the prophetic, you're not gonna do it around us. We're looking for a real anointing and we're gonna walk in this and we're gonna see God move. I dropped my mic, there we go. We're going to move in a real anointing because God is calling for Samuels. So to many of you who are Samuels, who are listening right now, let me say to you, stop all that crying. The first word he said to him was, stop all that crying. I know we only got to the first line of the first verse, but that was all I was supposed to do tonight. Because the Lord said to me, I cannot bring Samuels the preceding word to go forward until they come out of their grief. See, the prophetic has been grieving these last couple of years, and I didn't understand it till today. He's been talking to me. And today it hit me. That's why the prophets can't get a new word. We're so busy. The prophets have been stuck in grief. Because for them to recognize and admit that many of the prophets missed it, that's the grief. See, what got Samuel, Samuel recognized the only way I can go and anoint somebody else. I got to tell the nation that my word was wrong. 
See, Samuel has to go and stand before a nation that he said, this dude is the dude till he dies. I need some of you prophets to hear me. You might have heard God in the beginning, but what's got you stuck is you're holding on to your word more than you're holding on to God. God shifts. And when God shifts, you got to shift. But what we've got is we've got so many prophets in this nation who won't move with the cloud. Because they tied themselves to the success of their prophetic word. So they tied themselves to the Samuel. Uh, excuse me, they tied themselves to the Saul. So since I said that you would be king, I can't ever say that another king is rising. Since I said God was going to do this here, I can never say God is moving somewhere else. Since I said that God is going to move the Republican Party, I can't ever say he's working with a Democrat. Since I said Trump is the man, I can't ever say Trump ain't the man. Now hear me, I'm not for or against Trump. I really don't care. I'm not Republican nor Democrat. I'm a Holy Ghost Christian, and I've been voting righteousness before some of y'all start lying that you vote righteousness. But let me be clear. I ain't never going to tie my prophetic office to my word. Y'all tied your office to a word. When words have seasons, and words have conditions. When you prophesy what the Lord is saying, the people you prophesy to still got to live right. They got to make good choices. Instead of us taking into the mindset that every prophet in Scripture had to look later at the condition of the people they prophesied to and then reassess, we somehow forgot prophetic process. And we tied ourselves to a word instead of to the Lord. Oh, but Samuel is rising. Samuel has been hiding in prayer. He's been praying and declaring, oh Lord, touch this nation. He's been praying and declaring, Lord, raise up those that I thought you would use. But the Lord has been stirring Samuel. The Lord's been coming in dreams and in visions to Samuels all across this nation. God has been stirring, saying, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to do what I choose to do. So wash your face and stand back in your anointing. Come up out of that cave and stop praying for those that I have departed from. The season is over. I didn't leave their soul. They still going to make heaven, but I've left their position. I'm not going to use them there no more. They've chosen themselves above my will. And the season is coming for a new grace and a new glory. And God's about to move. And I don't know who's out there. I feel like preaching. I don't know who I'm talking to. But you need to come back to your position. You need to come back to that oil. You need to get back in the place that you left just so that you can hang out with people who don't matter. So you can hang out in places that God is done with. I hear the Lord saying, Samuel, wake up. Samuel, stir again. Samuel, get your oil back. And the Lord is calling wherever you've been going. Come back to your anointing. Come back to your position. Come back to the power of the Holy Ghost. And I say, just like the Lord said, stop, 
Stop praying. Stop weeping for what God is done with. Come on to the next move of God. <laughs> All I know is when I saw the wind begin to move, I set my sail. I don't drop anchor and say, I like this part of the island. No, 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 no. Because where you camp out is where you have to build. And if you got to build it, you got to sustain it. If you have to sustain it, you got to fight for it. If you got to fight for it, you got to die for it. But if God build the house, God lays the foundation. If God builds the house, God sends the army. If God builds the house, God plants the vineyards. If God builds the house, God sends the supplies. If God builds the house, he'll raise up your children. If God builds the house, he'll bless your grandchildren. If God builds the house, he'll give you grace and glory. If God builds the house, he puts angels behind you. If God builds the house, he puts angels above you. If God builds the house, he'll sit in the house with you. If God builds the house, ain't no devil can knock it down. If God builds the house, there's fire on the altar. If God builds the house, there's glory in your house. You got to let God build it. Too many of us have been building our own houses, but I'm going to live in the house God builds. I'm going to bring everything that belongs to me in the house God builds. I'm going to wake up in the glory God sends. I'm going to live in the anointing that he lets be around me. There ain't no better place than the presence of God. And I have decided I don't need people as much as I need him. I have decided I don't need nobody to like me as much as I want his approval. I'm going to live in this house. It's a good place. As for me and my house, hey, we will serve the Lord. Yes. He's a good God. And he's worthy to be praised. That's all I have for tonight. I'm going to stop right there. But somewhere in your house, you ought to be praising him. You ought to be thanking him because he chose you for this moment in time. He chose you for greatness and for glory. And there's a price for greatness. What we talked about tonight, the first price of greatness, you got to let go of people. God has told you to let go of. Samuel, we're not going to talk about Saul no more. I've had people say to me, I can't believe you just seem like you let this one go or that one go. That's right. Did. Didn't pray twice about it once he said do it. Why? Anybody you let go of for God has a choice. If they choose to pursue God, you'll meet them in the pursuit of God. See, this is what people try to manipulate. Nobody let you go. If I let you go in pursuit of God, it's because you chose to get stuck 
in something God wasn't in. So when people say to me, well, you just left me. Show did. You walked off from it. Yes, indeed. Bought new shoes just to run away from you. Why? And I'm saying it like this. I hope to make folk mad. I want to make you mad enough to get free. You can't spend your life blaming folk for leaving you in their pursuit of God. If you want to reconnect, start chasing God. And in your chase of God, we all going in the same direction. When we look over and see you in the oil, then we already in the same place. We can run together. But I don't feel bad for nobody that stopped chasing God to have a tantrum. Stay where you at. If you want God, you pursue God. If you want relationship with people in God, run with them as they run after God. But if you're going to sit still, Saul, wherever you are, stay there. Because I can tell you one thing I've learned from God. Samuel, don't talk to me about that no more. I've learned it firsthand. I've, Debbie, I've gone to pray for folk these last six months, and the Lord said to me, you better not mention them to me again. Woo! <laughs> See... Because our prayer lives are private and you're not party to it, doesn't mean that we ain't prayed long and hard about some decisions. What it does mean is because we prayed long and hard, you ain't ever going to change our mind. You got to do that with God. I told somebody years ago, if you get right with God, you already right with me. But if you ain't right with God, you can't convince me of nothing. Folks, listen to me. Tonight, for many of y'all, all across this nation and in different parts of the world, all the Lord wanted you to know, you've been carrying some folk too long. And the reason you can't break through is because when God wants to talk to you about the future, he wants, excuse me, wants to talk about glory. He wants to give you blueprints and ideas. He can't get none of that in your view because you fill up your entire conversation with God about folk he's done talking about. God said, I would talk to you about the next 40 years and you spend 40 minutes talking about people I'm done talking about. I got a plan for them five years from now, but I know they're not going to change for the next five years. And I know the enemy's plan is to get you, Samuel, focused for the next five years on foolishness. So that you can't shift a nation. So why don't you leave them in my hand where they were already? Why don't you treat me like I'm God since I knew them before they met you? Why don't you treat me like I'm the director of destinies, not you? I don't need you to tell me how to fix them. And if you could treat me, prophet, you the one supposed to know I'm in charge of nations. And you talking to me like I'm unfaithful. So the test for the nation is whether or not you can stop talking about them. Some of y'all, God's been testing you. And the test was to see whether you could trust him with something you still talking, complaining, and arguing about. 
I'm not your savior. I'm not your healer. I'm not the deliverer. He is. And you've got to remember that with everybody you deal with. Don't let people make you the center of their world. Or you'll spend so much time trying to answer their need, you never fulfill your destiny. Please don't die on somebody else's altar. Please don't lose your life in somebody else's dream. Spend your life letting the master serve you to the people he chooses in the places he sends because only there can your life come back as a harvest for whatever he serves, it's seed in his hand. Choose to be seed that produces a harvest instead of an offering for people who can't bless you. Father, I thank you for all those who are listening this night. I pray that wherever we have been out of order, you bring us back into divine alignment. I pray that for anyone who's been carrying a burden, a bondage, a heavy yoke of trying to carry people when you were only called to carry his word. I pray that God would deliver you from yourself. I pray that God would help you not become victim to manipulation. I pray that the Lord would show you, you are no man's savior, but you are all men's servants. That you would be a servant to people and to God without becoming a sacrifice to the will and whim of humanity. And last of all, I pray that you would find in all places that as you tell God yes, your simple obedience is enough to unlock his glorious provision, that you would live in the resources of heaven, and that the favor of God would overtake you, your family, and your children. Be blessed this night. Rejoice this night. For great is your victory. 